welcome back to Revise and Resubmit, a 10-ish minute podcast where I chat with academic writers about their approach to writing. I'm your host, Dr. Cameron Brown, assistant professor in the Couple, Marriage, and Family Therapy program at Texas Tech University. On today's submission, we are smack in the middle of a pandemic on Zoom with Dr. Mary Marimi. Dr. Marimi is a professor in nutritional sciences at Texas Tech University, chancellor at Daystar University, adjunct professor at Hawassa University, head of the Community and International Nutrition Research Lab, and was the previous president of the Society for Nutrition, Education, and Behavior from 2017 to 2018. If that isn't enough, she has also published a number of peer-reviewed articles in prestigious journals about food insecurity, dietary behaviors, and malnutrition in countries around the globe. Dr. Marimi also loves being in nature and hiking in the outdoors, something that she tries to incorporate when she travels for her research and teaching. So, uh, Dr. Marimi, thank you very much for being on the show with us today. Um, We are extremely excited to have you. So, uh, you have quite the storied and colorful track record when it comes to publishing and writing um, really influential pieces within the academic realm. And we all start somewhere, right? Yes. So um, as you reflect upon that young academic writer, that young version of your professional self here, um, just starting out, maybe just putting together their first manuscript, um, when you think about that person, you, when you were just starting out, um, what advice would you give them? I have a number, but the first one is if you are assistant professor, you've just done your dissertation, uh, you know it very well, you have defended it, you've lived with it, you've collected the data. And, and there is that one small section that, I, and start with that if you have not published that. If you have, extend that with that, with all the information if I knew. If I, uh, this is the gap. If I had to do this all over again, this is what I could do. Normally it's a very small gap that you missed. And that is a very good place to start in getting your publication. So I, my publications idea always start with the research. You, 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 you have to have the research or you have to have the data. So if you're coming from just written your, 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 your dissertation and now you need to publish, that is the best place to start with publishing that result. And I, I cannot overemphasize uh, that bit very well. The other thing that I would do uh, some people are very fast, and my graduate students, in most cases, graduate. By the time they graduate, they have published their papers. Um, so the other thing I would say, if you are going in a new situation, sometimes our dissertation becomes obsolete. And, and I'll give you an example, Brown, with what I did. When I did my uh, research as a doctoral student, it was on osteoporosis. And by the time I finished osteoporosis in 1996, osteoporosis was not an issue. Nobody was funding. Nobody wanted to publish because we had just been overwhelmed by childhood obesity. 
everybody wanted something to find to answer a question why childhood what's going on who is being affected and i had to make a very quick turn into this is what is troubling people this is what publishers will want to do this is what is current so sometimes you have to 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 go outside your area because most of us have disciplines that have are interrelated so you have to know what is the question of your time what is important what uh where will you get funding where will publishers get excited about the next thing is even as you plan your publication let's say you you have lots of data and you need to publish make a a a a a commitment to read the related journals i put aside about two hours of reading my journals I, i every friday and I would, and, and this would be in the, my area, and I would see what are people publishing, what methods are they using, over and above what I know, and where is the gap. So being um, familiar with what is currently being published is a way of your own publication. It writes your story. And so I, I think spending time to know your journal, know what is put out there, know and, and then see the gap. That helps you to see the gap and you know, in this area, this has been published a lot. I need to go in this, uh, in that, in the other, in this direction to complete this. And, and then of course, the last thing is, if you have, if you have just finished your dissertation and you want to publish, get to know your results don't start with the introduction know your result just know tell yourself what did i just find how does it fit and then say what is my story what is my story? What am I giving to the people? Once you know that, you'll be able to go back to the introduction and you know you'll be very focused because you know what your story is and you're laying the foundation for your story. Of course, you already have your methodology through your dissertation and then give the raw data, give the data you want to tell your story. A a dissertation or a thesis has all types of data, but choose your story so that you don't sound uh, spread all over. So only report on those things. And then of course, because you've been reading your journals, you'll be able to discuss that effectively because you know your story and then find the conclusions and the implications. I know you, want, you don't want me to dwell on one thing for a long time. <laughs> no, you offer some really great stuff here. So what I'm hearing is, is number one is kind of start with what you have, which in yes. many cases is that dissertation, right? And so ensure that you start with what you have, because sometimes it's really overbearing kind of jumping into a new tenure track position or a new research position. And it's like, man, where do I even start? Well, start with what you have. And I love what you said about looking for what is needed not just as a gap, but what are people looking for? What do our communities and society need? And you can find that both within journals. I mean, heck, 
we're forced as writers when it comes to research papers to, to have a future direction section in most of our articles. We're like giving away our ideas, right? Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and so starting there with that gap and then also looking at what your community and society needs and write to that. Um, I, I think that is, is brilliant. And I especially love that last piece of telling your story and starting with the data. You have the results, you've done the methodology, start there, allow all of the information that you've been putting in the bank for years in graduate school, training, reading of those journal articles, whatever it may be, to inform that story, but then start with that data and allow yourself to kind of tell that story yourself. I think that's brilliant. I think that's brilliant. So you have carried out a lot of research and written manuscripts about a variety of different communities um, within the United States, um, within other continents and countries. So some of these communities that you have written about, you are a member of. Some of these communities that you've written about, you are not a member of personally. So I'm curious for those that are writing about communities that they may not be a member of personally themselves, what advice would you give to that writer as they write about a community that they are not personally a member of? Thank you so much. And I like your choice of words. You're curious. I always tell my graduate student, research is about curiosity. If you know too much, you might not be a good researcher because mm. that kills your motivation. But research is about curiosity. It's about identifying what is not answered. What is the answer of what has not been answered? Now, if you go to a new community, you will not understand, not, do not assume that you know. Go to a new community and assume you don't know. And therefore, for me, a lot of my new communities, when I started, I started with the qualitative studies. I started with the interviews. I started with focus group meetings. And that way, I'm trying to know the why. And then I will understand the why of, and then what. And then I can write my story. But before I know the why, answers of quantitative answers of how many people say this still just tell me how many people say this how many people do this but it doesn't answer the question why if i know the question why then i know how to answer and to find a solution most of my research start with asking those questions because I am intending to design an intervention after that. And so it's very critical that I understand why. I always tell my students, whenever you see somebody, I'm in nutrition, so we sometimes get uh, overconsumed with obesity. Whenever you see an, uh, somebody who has extra weight and they're eating at McDonald's, don't assume. Don't assume that that's why they're that way. Don't assume that they don't know. And don't assume anything. Just be curious. I wonder why. And that is where we will stop. Research is not about judgmental. It's about evidence. It's about removing evidence. And therefore, 
going to a new community is very, very, very important that we remove our assumptions going to a place, we remove our biases going to a place by looking by, for the real evidence and fact. And therefore, therefore, whenever I'm in a new community, my thing is listening. I don't ask questions and answer them myself. I ask questions and listen for the answer and I take it seriously. Now, I may take that formative um, section and populate it, then send to so many people and see. So what these people told me, is it representative? Is it the region? Is it the age? Or is it the income level, socioeconomic status? So because all those things have their own entities. And so with that, with, with the communities that I don't know, I am jumping like a, a child in a candy store. Because I'm very, I'm very curious. I'm a very curious person and genuinely so. And so, but then my research discipline has taught me to reduce my bias because they will answer the questions. And I can give you examples of, you know, one community from the other, how if I didn't do that focus group, I would never have known the underlying reason. You know, for example, one, one, just one example, I was teaching in one of the rural Louisiana uh, communities about uh, removing the skin, you know, that was very popular. If you're going to eat chicken, remove the skin because most of the fat is by the skin. And they all laughed at me and they said, well, if I am not going to eat the skin, then I'm not going to eat the chicken. The, you know, the skin is the most tasteful part of the chicken. Why eat the chicken? Yeah, and I would agree so with that. that. Was, I was learning. I was learning their value, and I have to put their value in my research. And so I tried again. I said, how can they be eat healthy and still eat what they want to do? And I said, okay, the, the next month, it was monthly meeting, I said, I have discovered a way of enjoying the skin without the fat. And we talked about um, baking instead of frying and the skin removes and the, and the, all the, the, the fat falls off. And they, they, they bought that. And they felt like I listened to them. So the next time I was asking them something, they were trusting me because I listened to them. I, they laughed at me, they can laugh at me. I did not laugh at them. I appreciated what they, they knew and what they valued. Communities have their own values and their own culture and you've got to go there with respect for that. That's not what you're changing. They change it. You're just informing them how that is affecting their health. And so they will be more likely to listen to you or you will represent them when you publish and you help other people help them because of the dissemination. I really like that. And, and you know, it's, it's in many ways kind of counter to a lot of culture within academic and higher ed writing is you need to know everything and you need to act like you know everything, right? But mm -hmm. what you're saying 
And what I really, really love is that you can't assume that you know everything. Because when you assume that you know everything, first off, you take away that curiosity and that takes away a, a very strong, marketable, important quality of a researcher. Mm-hmm. But then secondly, is you're going to miss out on a lot. You're, you're more kind of gathering data, interviewing, writing for you rather than about a community. And so slowing down, giving space, not assuming, listening kind of opening up that ears is vitally important. I think that is fantastic. Um, so we are actually, sadly, already out of time. We yeah. are. Uh, can you believe it? I know, it's so fast. I wish I could talk to you for another couple of hours. I want to pick your brain some more about this. Thank you very much, Dr. Marimi, for being on the show with us today. Revise and Resubmit is proudly supported by Texas Tech University's Department of Community, Family, and Addiction Sciences, as well as my program, Couple Marriage and Family Therapy. Want to see more about what we do, our research, and our fantastic undergraduate and graduate programs? Find us on the web by simply searching for Texas Tech CFAS. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Revise Podcast, or find us on the web at bit.ly slash revisepodcast. Share your writing tips, ideas, or someone you want to hear on the show. Special thanks to our fantastic doctoral interns, Benjamin Finlayson and Doug McPhee, for assisting in the production of this podcast. Join us on the next submission of Revise and Resubmit.